Hello, my name is Pete Buttigieg, and I'm the Secretary of Transportation. And I'm Chastin Buttigieg, and my husband is the Secretary of Transportation. Okay, Peter, you can start now. We're here today to refute the vicious lies told last week on the Miller Frost podcast about my recent interview with Wired. Yes, that we are. First of all, Wired's headline was grossly misleading about what I love. Their headline said that I love God, beer, and my electric Mustang. I do not love any of those things. I only love my wonderful husband, Chastin, who, for the record, is not a low-rank queen from Michigan or any of the other... 50 states. Peter, I told you to read it vermouthen. Don't you mean verbatim? Shut up, Peter. Like I need you correcting me. Sorry, my love. You're always sorry, Peter. He is not a low-rank queen from Michigan or any of the other 57 states in this horrible, MAGA-infested country. That's bitter. In fact, Chastin is not just a wonderful father to our two new black-identifying babies, Barack and Oprah. I am such a wonderful father. They definitely love me more. But he is the king of snark on Twitter. I am so snarky on Twitter. Getting many dozens of likes with each witty retort and is followed by such important dignitaries as Beto O'Rourke, Billy Eichner, Rachel Maddow, Queerty, and Pink News. And don't forget Tom Daly, in a speedo. He is also a world-renowned, highly accomplished author. Even better than that turf, J.K. Rowling. His recently republished book, I Have Something to Tell You, and I do have something to tell him, has gotten rave reviews in West Hollywood and parts of Manhattan not associated with gay bathhouses, but I guess some in there too, and will most likely eventually outsell even the turf Bible, Harry Potter. Damn straight I will. Finally, I did not, under any circumstances, receive a media hand job or a media blowjob from anyone over at Wired, as that evil podcaster Miller Frost accused me of getting. He's super evil at this point. If Wired gave me a glowing review, it is only because I am the man I am today. Thanks only to the support of my wonderful and highly intelligent, very attractive, Extremely masculine husband, Chastin Buttigieg. Keep going, Peter. This is my favorite part. Chastin? Peter, don't make me repeat myself. And Colton Underwood is a nasty, dirty whore. And I regret ever sleeping with him like the pathetic coward that I am. Chastin, 
I did not sleep with Colton Underwood. Who you think you're fooling, Peter? You think I don't know how many times you jerked off to coming out Colton on Netflix? Chastin, I've never had sex with Colton Underwood. Lies, Peter. Lies. It never happened. Probably what he's saying, too. Because it's not true. No, Peter. Because you just suck in bed. And he doesn't want to be reminded of the three or four minutes I have to live through every couple of months or so when you're finally in the mood. Chastin. Whatever, Peter. So tired of being here anyway. I suddenly don't feel so good thinking about you over there naked. So I'm going home. Give me a ride. Chastin. Peter. Coming, my love. Are they gone? Good. Those two silly queens. They give me. And I'm already in a cranky mood today, folks. Just to warn you. But those two queens, they just add exponentially to my aggravation. And talk about a hostage situation. Poor pocket queen Pete here. I almost, kind of, sort of, felt sorry for him. That bitchy, Chastin Buttigieg, that low-rank queen from Michigan, making him read that pack of lies. And like I need this, but they're coming back, allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, coming back for our 200th podcast. And we're at 195 now, so that'll be in a couple of weeks. And that'll probably be a hot mess inside a dumpster fire atop a train wreck. Because I'm sure those two queens will be back. Megan McCain, who we haven't seen in, like, forever. No idea what she's been up to these days. Probably enjoying... Nachos and chicken fingers in someone else's green room. And of course, our summit mistress. She did something for our 100th podcast. So I assume, and no pressure here, summit mistress. But I assume she'll do something for this one as well. White boy Malcolm X. I got a quiz for you, sir. I'm going to read you these two headlines and you tell me what the common denominator is. What one thing these two stories have in common. You ready, princess? Okay, here we go. Number one, and this is from the Atlantic. There's no secret to how wealthy people dress. Stealth wealth may be the next big thing in fashion. Or maybe everyone's spending too much time on TikTok. I might have just given away the store there. Or did I? But that was number one. Story number one. Story number two, and that's from Fox News. Why Gen Zers are gobbling up flip phones and rejecting smartphones. 
younger folks are ditching smartphones for the old-fashioned flip for a little self-control. So, White Boy Malcolm X, what, sir, do these two stories have in common? Wrong. Millennial Gen Z kids was the obvious answer, but it was a trick question. The correct answer, and this may be a bit redundant in certain circles, but the correct answer, insecure millennial Gen Z kids who have to copy everyone else because they have no personality of their own. What passes as a personality, that's whatever garbage they curate up on Instagram or TikTok. That's their personality, copying others on social media. And this reminds me, this had to go back like, it's got to have been at least a year or two ago But we had that story, it was about wired headphones, how wired headphones were the new rage with all the insecure millennial Gen Z kids. It was something stupid like, Gen Z wears wired headphones as an attitude. And that was because, I can't remember which dingbat they referenced, some vapid social media influencer who was spotted out wearing wired headphones. And so all the lemmings, they were all like, oh my God, oh my God, where are my wired headphones? I need to be cool just like her. And at the time, I remember saying or hypothesizing that she probably just lost her AirPods, rolled those out as a backup, and these blithering idiots, they thought it was some new fashion trend. And this article, this one in the Atlantic, and you folks wonder why I mock bored rich white people all the time. And the Atlantic, that is a publication designed for bored rich white people and their bored rich white people problems. Because if there was ever a bored rich white people problem, stealth wealth as the next big thing in fashion is it. And it's basically, and they use that HBO show, Secession, which just ended this past weekend. And they use that as the basis of this article. So pretend people, characters in a pretend television show. And just in case you're wondering, 1,380 words about pretend people wearing bland but expensive clothing. And so what do you think the lemmings are doing? Oh, I want to do the stealth wealth look too. The problem with that, though, for those of you insanely thinking about going there, is that, and leave this to those snobs at the Atlantic, 
if you have to consciously structure your wardrobe to do this, you're just, and these are my words, not theirs, you're just Meghan Markle, a vapid social climber playing pretend, and you have fun with that. From the New York Post, BLM leader Patrice Coolers secretly dumped from Warner Brothers TV deal. Oh, poor princess. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, folks. Patrice Coolers may be many things, many, many things. But poor isn't one of them. That woman, like a lot of the woke folk, like a lot of the race hustlers out there, she is rolling in the Benjamins. That woman didn't get four houses because she's poor. Hell no, she didn't. She got those four houses, three of them in Los Angeles, just so she never, ever, ever, ever has to sit in traffic. But she got those four houses because she was using BLM money like it was her personal piggy bank. Allegedly, supposedly, possibly, maybe, like it was her personal piggy bank. And this Warner Brothers deal, that was just part of the hustle. Companies buying off BLM so they wouldn't be called racist which has been going on since, well, we just talked about it last week on our last podcast. The great civil rights activist, the Reverend Jesse Jackson, another multimillionaire. How do you think he got his piles and piles and piles of Benjamins? Racial shakedowns, just like the woke folk at BLM. Jesse Jackson was pulling that shtick when Patrice Con Coolers was still in diapers. That's how long this racket's been going on. So Warner Brothers, trying to act all down for the struggle, they signed this race hustler up for some production deal, and she was supposed to develop and produce original programming to include black stories across streaming, cable, and broadcast platforms. Yes, of course she was. And lo and behold, Patrice, lazy Patrice, who hasn't had to do much work at all to become rich off BLM, well, except scream racism for a bit. So her lazy ass didn't produce anything under this deal. So when the deal expired in October of last year, Warner Brothers, they were like, honey, you got to at least pretend to do a little work. Just scribble some nonsense on the back of a napkin or something. Do anything so we can justify you keeping this cushy gig. But did she even do that? No. So Warner Brothers kicked her ass to the curb. Off you go, princess, and thanks for nothing. Although I'm willing to bet at some point, 
Patrice here. I suspect she's a bit like a lottery winner. These lottery winners who win tens or hundreds of millions of dollars and within a couple of years, they're down at the local courthouse filing for bankruptcy. They blew it all almost overnight. And I could be wrong about this, but I think that most of the spigot, the BLM spigot that companies were using to funnel them money, that's all but been turned off at this point. Most of the pretend woke companies out there, they've stopped their donations. Even they aren't dumb enough to keep flushing money down this toilet with a stench of corruption as rancid as it is. So at some point, I suspect, she's going to run out of Benjamins. Whatever useful idiots that are left, they're not going to be able to provide them the money necessary to keep up their grand gay old lifestyles. And we'll know when that day is coming, when one or two of the houses she keeps in Los Angeles when they go on the market. So maybe, poor princess after all. From Marginal Revolution, the student loan payout pause led borrowers to take on more debt. Hmm. Go figure. Student loan borrowers who didn't have to pay on their student loan for years, they managed to take on more debt. Because, and I hate to be rude here, but because they're too stupid, college degree or not, to manage even the basics of personal finance. Talk about counting your chickens before they're hatched. Racking up more debt because you think creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer, he's going to wipe away your student loan on your worthless six-figure gender studies degree. Suckers. And these people, they racked up that debt on credit cards, dumb, mortgages, possibly dumb, and auto loans. Dumb again. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like my lesbian friends in Salem who go out, spend a fortune on fancy cocktails, but the one, she'll never be able to pay off her student loans. Gee, I wonder why. Completely mismanaged their money. And there was that. This was something else I mentioned. That $100,000 Jeep Grand Wagoneer parked outside this dumpy apartment building. And that Jeep's probably only worth, at this point, maybe 60, 70 grand. Nothing depreciates faster than a Jeep. People who put their money or borrow money to put it in the dumbest places And it never ceases to amaze me. And we have a bunch of these types around here. But you have these people, like with these 
I call them fast and furious cars after the movies. Those dumb but entertaining fast and furious movies. And they have these cars and God only knows how much money they pour into these things. They're raising the car or they're lowering it. They got the tires and the rims, the paint jobs, the stereo systems, and the blanking mufflers designed to make as much noise as possible. You can hear some of these cars winding down the road about a mile away. Literally a mile away. That's how loud some of them are. And these cars, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Also, they can play pretend. Act all super cool. Pretend they're Vin Diesel or something. So they sink piles and piles and piles of Benjamins into a depreciating asset, which is what 99.9% of cars are. A depreciating asset. One day, the vast majority of cars out there will be worth nothing or whatever the local junkyard can get for spare parts. But basically, next to nothing. And that's where they put their money into something that's not going to be worth anything one day. And I don't say this to be a snob. I'm not white boy Malcolm X's mother or anything. But, well, at least with a lot of what I see around here, the vast majority of these kids sinking all this money into these cars, I don't think that's, that's not screwing around money. You pay your bills. You put money aside for the future. Do all your adulting. And what's left? That's your screwing around money. And you see these stories in the news. What large percentage of the population doesn't have $1,000 on hand in case of emergency? Well, here. And this is from CNBC. How's this headline? 56% of Americans can't cover a $1,000 emergency expense with savings. And I'm willing to bet a lot of these people driving around in their fast and furious cars or these rednecks in their jacked up, tricked out pickup trucks playing pretend, playing super macho. They're not coming from a place where they've got a nice rainy day fund set aside already. They don't have a, I don't know, a six-figure 401k sitting around somewhere. They're probably nowhere near on track for a comfortable retirement because all their money is going into a depreciating asset. All their money's getting flushed down a toilet. But I guess they think they don't have to. Or at least these student loan beggars don't think they have to. Because creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer and his merry little band of socialists, they'll play Santa Claus at the end of the day, shower them with bailouts 
for all their poor financial choices. Yeah, good luck with that. And bless your heart if that's your version of financial planning. Because you are screwed six ways to Sunday. Which you'll probably blame on everyone else anyway. From the Daily Caller. California Dems are at each other's throats over who should replace Dianne Feinstein. Poor Dianne Feinstein. These Democrats are so power mad, they want to throw her out of the Senate yesterday. And these California Democrats, they're so desperate to kick her ass to the curb so they can get a promotion in the swamp, start amassing more power and money in the big leagues, in the U.S. House of Lords, they're circling like vultures at the chance to replace her. And the sooner the better. This is the interesting part on this one, though. Gavin Gayface Newsom, he's apparently pulled a creepy Uncle Joe the hair sniffer. If DiFi either steps down or kicks the bucket, and with these losers, they don't care how it happens, just so long as she's gone. But if she goes before the end of her term, Gavin Gayface Newsom promised to appoint a black woman to her Senate seat. When Queen Kamala, when she left her Senate seat to go play vice president, he gave her seat to a Hispanic. Latinx, to all you snooty white liberals out there, So when the old white woman goes, or she goes before her time is up, her seat goes to a black woman. It's like musical Senate seats or something with the BIPOC folk. Give the black seat to a Latinx. Give the white seat to a black or an African-American, depending on the day. Don't you just love the racial quota game and how it's played? And there are already three people running for her seat. Barbara Lee, she's the middle-aged black woman equivalent to AOC. She's that kind of dumb. You got Katie Porter, who looks like a, a Karen from hell. She will definitely ask for a manager whenever she gets butthurt about something. And then you've got Congenital liar, Adam Schiff. That clown who ran around for, what, a year or two? Oh, Trump has colluded with the Russians. Trump is Putin's sex slave. And I have seen the proof. And then when the Mueller report came out, no collusion, obviously no proof of collusion, And so what do you think congenital liar Adam Schiff did? Not, ah, you got me there. You know how us politicians are. No. He tripled down on it. He's kept the lie going. I think to this day. And the 
I love this phrase. Completely stealing it here. And I can't remember who came up with it. Or I would give them credit for it. But the Praetorian Guard media, the mean girls in the mainstream media, they memory hole it. Every single time congenital liar Adam Schiff comes out, pops his creepy little head out, lies about anything and everything, the Praetorian Guard media, oh, we have no idea what you're talking about. Hey, when's the next A-list cocktail party in Georgetown? So you kids out there in California, have fun with your racial quota game there, your musical chairs game over a Senate seat, and have fun, have yourselves a, a grand gay old time shiving each other in the process, which of course, I know you like to. And for our last story, folks, it's from the smoking gun. Police, man shot roommate over Hot Pocket. Victim had consumed remaining frozen snack. A Kentucky man, sorry folks, again, not a Floridian, shot his roommate in the buttocks, so he got shot in the ass after the victim ate the last Hot Pocket in the freezer, according to cops who arrested the gunman for assault. As alleged in a court citation, Clifton Williams, 64, and the male victim got into an argument Saturday evening in the Louisville residence they share. That doesn't sound gay at all, does it? Victim states his roommate, Mr. Williams, got mad he ate the last Hot Pocket, an officer noted. When Williams began throwing tiles at him, the victim told police, he then attempted to fight back, trying to beat his ass. The victim said when he began to depart the property, Williams retrieved a handgun from inside the home and came back outside. The man said he yelled, don't shoot, but Williams shot him in the ass while he was trying to leave. Hold on. Hold on a second. And no, white boy Malcolm X, we're not doing a a full throttle reenactment here. But I gotta, let me see if I've got this down so far. So Clifton and his, wink, wink, roommate are home. The roommate eats the last Hot Pocket. Clifton gets butthurt about it. Starts throwing tiles at the guy. No idea what kind of tiles. No idea where the hell they came from. Who keeps piles of tiles around their house? I don't know. But the roommate, who's getting tiles thrown at him, decides he's going to kick Clifton's ass here, but he gives up on the ass-kicking idea. Must have been one hell of a pile of tiles there. An endless barrage of tiles there. So he leaves. Clifton goes and gets a gun. The guy's yelling, Ah, don't shoot! As he's leaving. And Clifton goes and shoots him in the ass. 
over a hot pocket. That's Floridian logic. Clifton Williams here. If he's not a Floridian transplant to Kentucky, Florida Voldemort needs to make him an honorary Floridian. The roommate told police he fled a few blocks from the home to get help. Can you see that? Ah! I've been shot in my ass! Help me! Help me! The man who survived the shooting was transported to the University of Louisville Hospital for treatment of his injuries. Williams was arrested four hours after the shooting and charged with felony assault. Yeah, we are definitely not in Florida. He is being held in lieu of $7,500 bond at the Jefferson County Jail. The court citation does not indicate what flavor of Hot Pocket triggered this snack-related shooting. And again, White Boy Malcolm X, no reenactment for you. I just gave you one. And you Floridians, again, shame, shame, shame. So on that note, since I cannot top, this old Kentuckian shooting a man in the ass over a hot pocket, even if our Floridian friends have let us down once more, And again, shame. Since I cannot top that, it is time to plug pull this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us on this midweek edition of the Miller Frost Podcast. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week. A good start to your weekend. And we'll see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care.